everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, you guys. Welcome to today's episode of How'd She Do That? with Michelle Hill. Michelle is the CFO of Citizen State Bank. I cannot wait to share her story. But before we dive in, I want to give you a quick update. I hope you all had an awesome weekend. Luke and I enjoyed a stay at the Beverly Hills Hotel. We were there celebrating our five-year anniversary, which is actually on the 19th. So Luke, thank you so much for the last five years. And thank you for a fantastic stay at one of my favorite hotels. We had a blast. Also in the How to Do That Podcast news category, I am so excited to congratulate Elizabeth of Elizabeth and Butter. She was a guest on the podcast. We can celebrate with her and congratulate her as she gave birth to her son, Robert, this weekend. So congratulations, Elizabeth. If you all have not listened to her episode, you will definitely want to do so. Next week, we are having something really fun on the podcast. It's our Christmas special, our How'd She Do That Podcast Christmas special. My twin sister, Whitney McIntosh, is joining me on the podcast, so stay tuned. That is going to drop on the 22nd. Well, today's guest, Michelle Hill, I already mentioned she is the CFO of Citizen State Bank, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys think of this conversation. You are going to want to listen all the way through because Michelle shares so many great tips and insight from budgeting to stepping into a corporate role and what that looked like for her, but you've got to hear about how she became the CFO of a bank at age 32. We talk about that a little bit later in the episode, so do listen all the way through because the wisdom and insight that Michelle shares in this conversation multiple times during the recording, I had chills and my mouth was to the floor. I'm not kidding you guys. I'm so excited. Here is Michelle Hill on How'd She Do That? Today's guest is one I am really excited to speak with. Michelle Hill currently serves as Chief Financial Officer at Citizens State Bank, where she oversees all aspects of the support services, including, but not limited to, financial services, information technology, and compliance. Additionally, she oversees the budgeting process as well. Michelle received her bachelor's degree in finance, as well as her master's of business administration from Texas Tech University. She was appointed to the Citizens State Bank Board of Directors in March of 2016 and serves as the chairman of the Directors Technology Committee and Risk Management Committee. When Michelle isn't working, she is likely relaxing at her home in Dallas, Texas, and enjoying time with her adorable family, which includes her husband, two sons, and darling daughter. Michelle, welcome to How'd She Do That? Oh, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Could you come with me everywhere? (laughs) Before I walk into a room, give that intro. I love it. (laughs) 
Absolutely. Well, I am so excited about you. And I didn't share this before we started recording because I really wanted my listeners to hear. When I was studying up on you before this call and thinking of you and your darling family, I actually had a memory come to mind. I think it was maybe the first time we met uh, at Park City's Baptist Church in Dallas, where my dad is the pastor. And I remember, I think my husband and I were engaged, maybe visiting Dallas um, at the time. And I remember seeing you and your husband and thinking you guys were the cutest couple ever. And it's still true. (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you. Oh, it's so true. And then uh, even more recently, I have to continue to brag on you. You were in, um, gosh, I guess it was a little bit of a just a conversation for PCBC's Mother's Day. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Along with some other women. And what is really fun about that moment, um, I was able to see you and I believe you were on a Zoom call from your home. Is that correct as well? That is correct. With your dad, my pastor. (laughs) Yes, with dad. And I have to say this too. If I were to have guessed who was the CFO on the call out of the handful of women that were there, I don't know if I would have picked you. That is that is common for people to think when they hear what I do. <laughs> I get that, you know, when a dog is confused and they look sideways, I get that response a lot. <laughs> well, I hope you don't take it as an insult. It's definitely a compliment. You guys are going to love catching up with Michelle, and I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to find her later on, and you can put a face to the voice. But I'd love to dive in because I think that your career and what you have done is something that's going to be really inspiring to me, but also to my listeners. I'd love to hear kind of the beginning. I, I mentioned where you went to school, but I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe how you chose your major and the beginning stages of you kind of thinking about, gosh, what is it that I'm going to dive into? I cannot wait to hear more. Sure. Um, Like you mentioned, I went to Texas Tech University where I got my undergrad degree in finance and then my master's in business. But I would not say that as a young girl, I dreamt of being a financial analyst. I didn't, I didn't dress up as an accountant for Halloween. I didn't say this is exactly what I want to do. But as I matured and this more logical young woman emerged, I thought I'm really good at math and I like structure. So it, it really made sense for me to go into the business world, maybe accounting. Um, once I got to tech, I actually thought accounting's a little dry I'd rather do the financial side, which is more forward thinking and analytical and just fell in love with the field itself. And that kind of led me to what is now a very fruitful career in finance. And I'd love to know, as you kind of got started and as you were thinking about this, because some of my listeners, many of them are are very creative, but a lot of them are very analytical and, and they might feel like they're on the outskirts at times with social media and marketing and all these kind of flashy things. But there are people, and I'm not one of them, <laughs> but there are people whose brains truly work that way. And I'd love to know, was there an internship? Was there something in school that made you kind of seek out and propel you towards this career? I'd love to know about kind of internships and then maybe, gosh, what was your first role out of school? Internships, I worked 
at Texas Tech while I was at Tech. And this is really interesting. I did not appreciate this as much during the internship as I do now, but um, I'll back up a little bit. At Tech, something interesting is that I did not have any female professors. Oh, wow. I jumped into the business school and I did not notice it at the time as odd. You know, it was men, great, brilliant, you know, these, I mean, just brilliant men in front of those classrooms speaking. And I just took everything and thought, this is great. And now I look back and think, that is so bizarre. And I wonder if, you know, God in my mind was going, no, stick with it, stick with it, be different and, and stick with this field. And then wow. I got into graduate school and I met my first female professor. Wow. In graduate school was when you actually had your first female professor in this field. In this field. And she offered me a graduate assistant position. Wow. Oh my goodness. Now, what did that entail? What was it that you were actually doing for her? What does that look like? So I would teach basically what was called a lab. So a few hours a week, I would work with first-year graduate students or first-semester graduate students in what we call the executive skills and kind of giving them the ability to walk into a new job and then what. And so that, wow. that was her area of expertise. And I look at her now and think she was such a trailblazer and I had no yes. idea. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And for her to for you to look back and, and think, wow, because as I'm, I'm tracking with you, I'm thinking my major was communication. And of course, women love to talk. And so we had a lot of female professors. But for you to actually be in grad school and be looking around thinking, wow, this is my first female professor. I mean, and I'm sure because we're going to get into it and continue on with this conversation. I'm really curious about the dynamics um, that you are in, in banking and whatnot. I'm really eager to hear more about, gosh, I'm sure you look around many rooms and to this day, you're probably the only woman there. You are not wrong. That That is very accurate. Oh my gosh. Well, tell us a little bit about that first role out of school. Perhaps, you know, you're done with your graduate work and whatnot. What did you step into and what did that look like for you? I thought my first role would be continuing to teach potentially at the collegiate level. So that was where my mind was headed. But then love intervened as it often does. Yes. (laughs) And I got married um, to my high school sweetheart and I followed Um, him to Waco, Texas. Oh, I didn't realize that. What year was this? So this was 2006 and he was finishing up law school. Oh my gosh. Okay. I didn't realize that at all. And was he at Baylor or where was he? He was at Baylor. Yes. Oh, how fun, Michelle. I didn't realize that. Okay. So you guys are in Waco. What opportunities did you have there (laughs) for your role? Well, immediately none. Um, you know, I kind of went into this new city and thought, oh no, um, my very logical analytical brain who had my life completely planned out yes. um, just had a wrench thrown into it. Now yeah. what? Right. So I went to the Rolodex. Um, and for those of you that don't know what that is, that's like your iPhone contact list, but a long time ago. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. Everyone, again, that's a Rolodex. Ask your mom what that is. <laughs> I, I actually did not have one, but I, I had to call around and say, who do you know that lives in Waco? And would they talk to me? Wow. Yeah. And so eventually a friend of my parents who didn't know me from anybody had a friend in Waco and I got an interview and it's the the same company I work with today. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So it's the same company that you work with today. And a side note, because again, I'm already like just so excited to hear more about your career and how this kind of has all unfolded. But that's another potential rarity for uh, women, but also for my kind of age demographic and many of my listeners. You guys, Michelle is at the same company she started out with. That is really, really cool. And I do think it's a little bit, um, it can be rare as people bounce around. And this generation, we're always kind of thinking of the next thing. I think it says a lot about you and your company that you've stuck with them. So, oh my gosh, well, this is exciting. What was that first role and what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? What were you up to? My first role, my official title was Senior Financial Analyst, which is hilarious because I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> no clue. Walked in well, you were the senior. <laughs> I, was, I was the senior. Um, you know, 23-year-old senior, anything is a joke, but... wow. You know, they give you the title, and then my philosophy was just fake it until I make it. Um, I knew I had the skill set there. I just had no idea about banking and, yeah. and mortgage companies, and that's what I was just dumped into. And so I would get a, you know, a request from the boss, and I would have to go Google in my cubicle exactly what he just asked me for. But you know, I, I pushed through those first few years, which was a very, very steep learning curve, but gosh, it's so worth it if you invest that time in the beginning. Mm, That's so good. And so true to kind of, it's almost be thrown into the fire. And it sounds like you had an amazing opportunity kind of right off the bat. I'd love to think a little bit too about, gosh, what, tell us a little bit more about what exactly the route is, and perhaps this is your story, what does it look like to step into a bank and how is it that this kind of the staircase to success that you found, what was your next role, but what are you doing? What are you actually doing in a bank during this? I mean, I probably, my listeners probably know more than I do. I couldn't even tell you what exactly you were doing as that senior analysis. So tell us a little bit, what are you actually doing in these roles? What was your next role after that first senior analysis one? Well, banking and probably most industries, they have two sides. So I'll talk banking because that's what I know. But there's the forward side of banking, which is what you would see. The tellers, the loan officers, probably the president sitting in the corner in a windowed office. (laughs) But there's also the other half, which is the backside or the back office or support services, as we lovingly call it. And it is your, I call us the brainiacs. We're the people that they put away so that we can make sure everything is posted properly to your account, that everything reconciles or is equal at the end of the day, that everything is in place so that all of this sales going on in the front is running smoothly from behind. So we spend a lot of time in Excel workbooks um, and access databases and accounting software, just 
making the engine run. For those of you who are listening and your analytical brain is like popping off, I hear all of that and I think, oh, wow, I don't even know what to ask from there. I mean, that is so outside of my realm, but it's so interesting and it's so cool to think about you being in Waco and you're taking that next step. So what did it look like to excel in that senior analysis role into your next role? What was the the next step for you? Well, the next step was kind of a just pivot of my job responsibilities. My husband got mm. a job in Dallas. And so uh, yes. I actually turned in my resignation. Oh, wow. And my boss at the time said, not accepted. We'll work with you. Do you want to work remotely for us? Wow. And oh, my so gosh. I said, absolutely. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Yes. And kept the same role and kind of started actually creating a remote process for the institution so that I could work remotely and then potentially others could, which has actually served us really well recently. Absolutely. Um, But I stayed as a senior analyst and then became a, a VP, probably as a vice president, probably about, oh, I would say three or four years in. Oh my gosh. So how old are you when you became a VP? I was, I'm trying to do the math here and I should be really good at math, but I was probably, (laughs) (laughs) I think I was probably 28. Oh my, now, okay. And I don't know if you will toot your own horn. Is that a normal age for a a female VP? No. Not at all. It is not at all. And um, I mean, I'm so proud of that. And I think I was just really at the right place at the right time, but also took advantage of that. Wow. Absolutely. That is so cool. Well, I'm curious because I think we're going to tie in a little bit. There's an interesting element of your story because I did mention your beautiful family. Where is the timing of motherhood? Because one thing that I think is so impressive with your career, not just the one longevity as well as the the gosh, the hard work, uh, probably an intense period of time for you to then become a VP by age 28. What did this shift with motherhood look like for you uh, as you're working and whatnot? I'd love to know what that timeline kind of looked like. And gosh, many of my listeners, they are stay-at-home moms. Some of them are working mothers. I'd love to hear a little bit about just insight from you on what those beginning years looked like and what that season has looked like for you. Sure. Um, This is probably as a working professional, motherhood for me was the most challenging part to juggle without Mm. a doubt. Um, And that says a lot because working in a corporate world as a female is really challenging, but motherhood was the hardest thing. And um, I had my first child, I have three children and my oldest is about to be 11 years old in a few weeks. Oh my gosh. But I had um, Tristan when I was 28. So right about the same time I was promoted to vice president, I had my first child. Wow. And I think it worked for me. I don't want to say well, because that would be an overstatement, but it worked. And I got by because I was able to work from home. Mm, Yes. And so having that capability really allowed me to still have my one foot in the corporate world and then one foot a little bit a stay-at-home mom. I did have help, so I don't want to put a a false um, 
statement out there that I did it all because there's no such thing as doing it. Right. All. I had lots of help, but um, it really helped me maintain that balance, even though there were times I was horrible at both professional life and motherhood, <laughs> you know, sometimes I really thrived at it. So I, I wonder too, because as I'm hearing you talk about this, I remember, and some of my listeners may feel this way. Um, I remember, so my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She was a teacher beforehand. And of course, an incredible stay-at-home mom and, and a stay-at-home mom is a job in and of itself. So to be thinking of of doing so many things is really incredible. Was, was a stay-at-home mom, was that something that you had thought of before and then continued working. I, I lived in New York City and saw so many working moms, um, and I am not yet a mom, but I do think I, I'll want to have other things going on and, and potentially continue the roles I have. What did that look like for you? What did that decision look like? And I'm just curious, is that something that came to you once you had Tristan, or was that something you had already decided long ago that you wanted to continue working? I had already decided that I wanted to continue working. So I was really at this point so invested in my career yeah. and feel like I'd put so much, you know, blood, sweat and tears into it that I didn't want to backtrack. And I did not want my motherhood to be viewed as almost a handicap mm. and knowing you know, at that age, 28, and I knew I was onto something. I knew, okay, I'm positioned in this institution to make a difference, to be somebody. And if I leave, I will have to start all over again in five, 10 years, if I even choose to. Right. So I had kind of gone into it with, it's going to take a lot to convince me to quit my job. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I've also seen my mother worked every day, even still. And so I think I had that role model and I loved seeing her work and I loved how it fulfilled her. Mm, yeah. And I thought that I want to be just like that. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so true. That's so cool. I do. I think back on when I lived in New York City and there were so many mentors of mine that were working mothers and it was like uh, there was a, a switch that kind of flipped for me of like, wow, women can do this and they can thrive in their career and they can be wonderful parents and mothers and gosh, they can have not just one, but they can have two, three kids and continue to thrive. It's really cool to think about you and that that has been the case for you. As you have Tristan and then other kiddos come along the way, what did work look like for you during that time? And was there any hurdles that you might like to share with us that you can think of perhaps as a, a women working in a predominantly male field or, or just different situations that you may have found yourself in that you're like, oh my gosh, that, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I have so many embarrassing stories <laughs> about motherhood. Um, where to even start? It, <laughs> it is definitely... Um, isolating, that's a good word for it. Whenever mm. you're the only one who has to leave a meeting to go pump your breast milk. Wow. I mean, yeah. there's no way to politely say, I need to be excused for 25 minutes of this <laughs> four hour meeting, and please don't come listen at my office door because they make a very horrible, loud noise. 
<laughs> um, so those, those moments are really hilarious, but also somewhat isolating because mm. you recognize that nobody in that room has any idea what you're going through. Wow. And uh, not to mention even the hormones or the mom guilt part of it. Right. But it's definitely, it's, it's obvious that there's a big difference there. Have you seen in your own company, because I'm sure you're kind of on the front lines of this, uh, or perhaps perhaps not your company specifically, but are there things that you've seen done in the past few years that you feel like, okay, wow, this is a great thing for women. This is a great thing for women in corporate roles, because I think a lot of my listeners and, and young women specifically may steer away from corporate roles just because they don't know if there is that flexibility or if there is that respect for the working mother. But you may also have stories or situations where you're like, no, that that is the case and we are moving forward in that direction. I feel like in the last five years, the corporate world has really recognized the values that mothers bring to an institution. And especially in the bigger corporations, I think they're giving great maternity leave. I think they're setting up private places in an office place for moms to go and, and handle those mom things that nobody wants to talk about. Right. (laughs) I, I really have felt that shift towards I think seeing a, a woman as an equal, and especially you know when they get into that moment of motherhood, kind of maybe backing off and giving them a little bit of grace during that time. Mm, um, yeah. And so I would I would say to your listeners, do not let that be the reason you don't go into corporate world because mm. that is something that the world is so aware of right now, and people are talking about that and the equality of really the corporate world for women and for mothers um, is such a hot topic right now. So dive right in. That'll make you feel comfortable. Oh, that's so good. And that's so cool. And again, for those of you who are thinking like, wow, I just, I just don't know. And, And I think too, Michelle, thinking even the word corporate for many college students, or by the way, you might be listening and you may have heard Michelle talk about pivoting a little bit earlier uh, in her career. Perhaps you're looking to pivot. Perhaps you've had a business for some time. I personally have worked in startups and smaller businesses. And even for me, I had a short stint in corporate. It can feel intimidating. Just the word in and of itself, you think of slacks, maybe you think of very serious, lots of structure. And again, some people, that's really where you guys thrive, but but some of you might be wanting to take that leap of faith. I would love to know, Michelle, what has been some of your favorite things about working in corporate and having longevity in an amazing, gosh, business and, and company like the one you've been with? Oh, my favorite things. I really have so many. And I think that my number one favorite thing is the fulfillment that I get from mm doing something outside of the home that is my own and that makes a difference. And I find great joy. And I know this is going to just shock people, but I find great joy in working alone in a spreadsheet and building (laughs) a budget model and giving it, you know, to a board of directors and presenting something to them and giving shareholders the return that they deserve. I just, really find value in that. And I love that my job forces me to stay current with economics Mm. and what's going on in the world. It really has benefited me 
just as a human and being able to communicate with other humans. But right. I mean, as a mother, I think my kids, well, I don't think, I hope my kids watch me work hard and think, wow, she's so smart and she works so hard and we're so proud of her. And yes. that alone is so much motivation. Oh, wow. Absolutely. And I know they're proud of you. I have no doubt. I love what you just said about that fulfillment, you know, something outside of the home. I think there's so many uh, elements to motherhood. And again, I'm not a mother yet, so I can't speak on this. But my thought with, with gosh, being able to have something outside of the home that you are thriving in, that you're successful with, that you're moving forward with, I'm sure that is so rewarding for you to be able to come back. And I would guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's probably a sense of fulfillment that it, it brings to motherhood as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. Well, I also am thinking about, gosh, finances in general, and I cannot move forward with this conversation without perhaps getting some thoughts, tips perhaps from you. I would love to know if you have any, gosh, financial tips or themes or just insight that you might give me, my listeners. I mean, a lot of my listeners may have a personal budget. Maybe they don't. I'd love to know what's the conversation around the office. What are you guys up to? What are some, I don't know, non-negotiables that you specifically have moved forward with in your personal finances? We've got to know. You're the CFO. Help us out. What do we need to know about our personal finances? <laughs> Here's number one. If you don't have it, don't spend it. Um, ah, and I think <laughs> that is with the exception of a mortgage. Um, mortgages are definitely good debt. But I think, you know, and I made this mistake young in my, you know, young 20s of thinking, oh, this credit card is, it's someday I'll pay it. Right. And, you go and you buy that dress that you want. And then all of a sudden you're like, how am I going to pay for this? And what do you mean? I, it now costs three times as much as what I thought it should. Um, yes. So just really think about those things that you're about to purchase and think, do I really need this? Or could I put this money for something better in the future? I think mm, that's so good. Financially, people think, short term a lot um, for this kind of short term happiness or fulfillment. And it's not gonna, it's not gonna work, ladies. It's not gonna make you feel better. <laughs> I promise. I've tried. Um, what what will make you feel better is, you know, being debt free and being able yes. to make those financial decisions that you want to make when you need to make them. And um yeah, that, that's definitely just finance 101. But if we're going to get into budgeting, Emily, I could bore y'all to tears. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on, because I'm not bored yet. So 
Could you give us a little something? Give us a little something. I mean, I know that my listeners, gosh, when I asked, I asked on Instagram, actually, I said, hey, guys, who do you want to hear from? Financial advisors, CFOs, corporate uh, women. That was the response. So you're not boring anybody. We'd love to hear it. Can you can you share with us, you know, perhaps uh, the women listening, and again, I have all ages. Some of them may have been sticking with the budget for years. Some of my listeners this might be the first time they're kind of hearing, you know, thoughts around a budget. What would you say to someone who's listening that maybe they have their first larger paycheck? Maybe it's their first role out of school and they think they've got all the money in the world. What does it look like to budget? What are your thoughts on that? I think budgeting is really important. And the, mm-hmm. the sooner that you learn that when the money starts coming in, the better that you will be for the long run. So Take that first paycheck, celebrate it. Definitely celebrate it. Tell yes. your mom and dad about it. Tell, I mean, tell anyone who listen. This is so exciting. And congratulations to you on that first paycheck. Yes. But do not spend it all because, mm. um, you know, you need to know of this paycheck, what do I have to spend? And that's probably a car mm. payment, a rent check or a mortgage payment or something that has to be spent. And then you'll have a little bit left over. So you have a choice, right? Do I go buy those shoes or do I save it? Um, and, and there's a balance in there for everybody. And it's always a little bit different. But I like to really save. <laughs> I'm, I would say of what's called your discretionary income, which is that income that you don't have to spend. I would oh, okay. try to save half of that. So ah. I would say, okay, 50% of that that is not obligated for rent, mortgage, car, utilities, I'm going to put in savings this month. And then the rest, I can go out to nice dinners. I can, you know, buy something nice for myself because um, you don't have to cut off life to save. You can definitely still enjoy and indulge, but just be smart and make sure that for every dollar that you spend in fun money, you're saving a dollar. Ah, that's a great way to think about it. And super, that's a great basic kind of easy way. Did you guys hear what Michelle said? For every dollar you're spending on fun, make sure there's a dollar you're saving. I love that. And I know too, one hot topic that is sometimes skirted under the rug, sometimes terrifying to people would definitely be that student loan debt or debt in general. I'd love to hear your thought on debt payment. What what has your philosophy been? What do you perhaps tell clients that you've worked with in the past? What is your philosophy on, gosh, getting rid of that debt? What did that look like for, wow, I mean, for you, for for you to be done with business school and whatnot? What is your philosophy on that? Well, I think when it comes to debt, and I mentioned this a moment ago, there's good debt and then there's bad debt. And that's not the appropriate way to talk about it, but that's the reality of it. And I would classify good debt as student loans, possibly a car loan, and a mortgage. Yes. And those typically have very low interest rates. And so when you look at that and how much you're going to have to pay in interest over time, it's probably a lot because the loan's a lot, but it's less in proportion to the amount of the loan that you have out. So if you've got, let's say, five chunks of debt and you want to line those up and say, okay, how do I start getting out of this hole? Because it it is a hole and it feels that way. And here's the thing. 
tons of people are in that hole. So any shame you have about it, first of all, take the shame away and just take a deep breath and say, I can do this. Um, So good. I would say line up your debt by highest interest rate to lowest interest rate and start hacking away at that high interest rate debt. And so you'll have to pay the minimum payments across the board. So do that. And then anything you have left over, I would start just hacking away at that higher interest rate debt. Pay more than the minimum payment if you can. And then celebrate it when that one falls off and you only have a few left. And then go to the next in line and then the next in line. And over time, that will actually save you money other than just paying $20 here or there over on a card. Be intentional about it with the higher rate debt. Yes. Oh, that's so fantastic. And I love too what Michelle just said. That is a boat that a lot of people are in. So if you are listening and you feel overwhelmed or you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm alone in this, that's simply not true. And I love what Michelle just said. You can do it. Pick yourself up get started, have a plan. And I think that you will find success in paying off those debt. And again, just thinking about the good debt, what would you say, and I I can guess, what would you say is kind of the bad debt that you should pretty much in general steer clear of? (laughs) Well, (laughs) I I don't want to offend anybody, but I will say this. I've done this many times. So there's no judgment here, but it's the Nordstrom's card. It is the Banana Republic card. It's the Mm. just MasterCard that maybe you have an automatic shipment coming in of fun stuff every month. Um, It is that debt that is really linked to a credit card that um, you don't have a real intention of paying off within 30 days. Right. Okay, ladies, don't get mad at Michelle. She is a C- we have a CFO on the podcast today. Don't get mad at her. This is this is really helpful stuff. Don't take offense. Just take a breath. Think about that. Maybe line it up in your mind and see what you might be able to kick to the curb because I think what Michelle is saying is really important and really awesome. Well, I'd love, and thank you, all of that is huge. Thank you so much for that insight. I'd love to hear, I'd love to backtrack. I'd love to get back on your road and your path because we left you at 28, a VP at the bank. I'd love to know what did the next few years look like? I know that you had another son and your daughter. What did that look like for you? And then, gosh, I'd love to hear about the the switch and wow, when was the CFO role given or or offered? Would love to know what that was like for you. The CFO role came at also a very young age. So it came when I was 32. Oh my gosh. And it came while I was actually pregnant with my sweet little darling, Aiden, the third born. And it was interesting. So I'll just backtrack a year prior to that. The CFO who I was working directly for, he left unexpectedly. And all of a sudden, I found myself in what I would call a golden opportunity. And the company was in a moment where they had panic. And I, I think I literally stood up in a meeting and said, it's okay. I can handle this until y'all find somebody. I know. Oh my gosh. I know what he does. I've been working with him for years. Um, I've covered him when he goes on vacations. I got this. And wow. so for a, almost a full year, I sat in that office and I acted as CFO without the official title. Oh my gosh. And just busted my tail learning 
everything that I could, um, falling on my face a few times, but getting right back up and saying, okay, that didn't work. That wasn't right. Um, <laughs> let me go back to the drawing board. And then uh, I was notified that they had found a couple of candidates that were good and you know they were going to talk to these candidates. And I had this moment of, oh, okay, well, that was fun while it lasted and thought, no, no, I'm the candidate. And so I literally wow. asked for it. I walked into the then CEO's office and said, I have been doing this job. I have been doing it well. And I would like to be considered for the position. Oh my gosh. I literally have chills and my mouth is to the floor. What? That is incredible. What is it in you? I mean, I don't think that would necessarily come naturally, not only to women, um, but to anyone. What What do you think that was that gave you the courage to do that? It was definitely my faith, without a doubt. I remember when I, I this all happened in like a two hour span of I was notified of oh candidates and, you know, they walked out of my office and I, I cried. I sat in my office and just cried and thought, but I've worked so hard and nobody notices me and poor me. And I just kind of sat in this moment of sorrow. And then I got a sheet of paper out and started writing down my talking points without even thinking about it. Um, Like, no, I am, I'm doing this and I'm good at it. And you know, I'm good at it. And, you know, I, I shouldn't have to even interview for this job. I've been doing it. (laughs) and my little meek and mild self walked into that office probably terrified out of my mind I don't remember I hope that I sounded eloquent because I kind of practiced (laughs) a a 30 second speech and then turned around and walked out (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh okay what happened next I, I think I shocked the then president and president CEO. And about an hour later, he walked into my office and said, you're right. Here's your offer and handed me the offer for the job. Uh, Oh my gosh. I am, I don't know why I am shell shocked. This is the coolest story ever. I'm, I have so many questions. I mean, and I think too, I, I love thinking about you practicing that like 30 second little pitch and like, who knows, perhaps your voice could have been shaking. I mean, mine probably would have been, but then to turn around and he comes in when he came in and agreed with you and gave you that offer, what was running through your mind? Who was the first person that you called and how quickly did you say yes? I think I probably said yes before he handed me the contract and I saw the term, which my lawyer husband would be horrified if he knew that. <laughs> um, yes. But I, I said so it was an immediate yes and celebration and thank you so much. And then I remember calling my husband immediately and saying, I am the CFO. And his response was, of course you are. Oh, wow. Definitely my biggest fan, my biggest advocate, and has always been my encourager. But I'm sure those that 30 second, I channeled as much of his boldness as I could have. And that's who was kind of helping me 
speak then. That is so cool. That's such a great side note right there that Michelle just shared, just a a personal touch. You know, women who are listening, uh, if you're single, that's definitely the the kind of husband that you're looking for, the kind of guy you're looking for. So shout out. That's awesome that he was able to say, okay, of course, of course you are. Oh my gosh. Uh, Now, Okay, I'm, I, I got to backtrack because another element of this story is that you had just had your third. So you have three kiddos at home. Do you remember, can you think of how old they all were when this happened and when you actually moved into the role of CFO? Well, I was pregnant with Aiden. So oh, you were pregnant with Aiden at that time. I was pregnant <gasps> with her. And um, that- Oh my God. I can't remember if my boss knew that or not at the time, or if that would have changed, <laughs> that would have changed anything. I like to think it wouldn't matter. So I'm just going to go with that. Story. It wouldn't have. It no, wouldn't. it wouldn't have. <laughs> so Tristan would have been four. My oldest was four, and my middle child, Jackson, was one, and then I was pregnant. So it, I, I had a, a house of little toddlers and still, still trying to make it happen in the office. Wow. That is amazing. I I love the part of your story that's kind of hitting home for me personally is sometimes I think that young women or young married or women who aren't yet moms, there's some type of, it's really a lie that creeps in that says, you know, well, good luck when you're a mom, it's all done. (laughs) You know, your dreams, your thoughts, your, your success, you know, your personal success outside the home it's it's over because it's all consuming and of course motherhood is what would you say to someone who might be listening that feels that's true or or feels that that's really something that m- might happen and so it's actually hindering her uh, from moving forward into motherhood perhaps she wants to be a mom I, i'd love to know what insight could you give someone who might feel that way well, that's a good question i i would say to that woman um you cannot put your dreams aside for anybody yeah. else. Um, whether yeah. it's your dream to be a mother and you're putting that on hold for a company, I, I think that will end up making you sad in the future. Or mm. maybe you're not going out for that job that you know you're qualified for because you have two young kids at home. I, I think that will also make you feel a little unfulfilled. So if you have that push inside you, that gut feeling saying, hey, I want this, go get it. And yeah. don't let any of these self-doubt that we as women tend to put on ourselves. don't let that be a hurdle that you're not going to jump over. Because being a mother has made me such a better CFO, such a better employer. Uh, wow. It is you know, open me up to different areas that I never thought. Um, I'm much more compassionate to other mothers, which that's such a wonderful gift. Yes. It's just made me a different person. Um, and, and I think that that's the really interesting thing that God does in our life is he takes you, he meets you where you are and says, okay, let's make the best version of you right now. And that's such a hopeful statement. For anyone who's listening, perhaps you're feeling hopeless. Perhaps this is the exact conversation you needed to hear to feel inspired and excited. God never 
pushes us or pulls us into anything. He takes our hand and he walks with us. And I love that that seems to be a theme in your life, Michelle, as well. Absolutely. I could literally talk to you all day. I cannot believe how quickly our time has just come close to an end, but I do have a few more things that I've got to ask you. We've talked quite a bit about some really wow moments in your career. I don't know if we can necessarily top you going in and saying, I'm the girl for the job. Uh, The CFO position is mine. That tops anything I'm going to hear this week, maybe this month. But I would love to know, is there another real wow moment um, in your career that you could share with us that might come to mind? There is. And it was two years after that. So this was 2016. Um, The institution that I'm with, it's 100 years old. So it has been around for a century and had never had a female director on the board of directors. And in 2016... I was named to that board of directors as the first female in a 100-year history. And that was such a wow moment for me. Um, There's an article in the very intriguing Banker's Digest, if y'all want to read it. (laughs) We do. (laughs) But it was just such an honor um, and really such a testament to how far corporate banking has come. But even just for the institution that I'm in, saying that for 100 years, they did it one way. And all it takes is, you know, one woman to get in there and say, hey, can we do it differently? And it will change the trajectory of that board of directors forever. Wow, that is amazing. And I do think you did actually trump going in (laughs) to that office. And suggesting yourself for the CFO role. Wow. The first on the board of directors. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, one thing that I think is really cool, and this might not be something you think about often because of course you have a very busy and full life, but just an encouragement to you, you are really pushing that, uh, the glass ceiling, I guess, so to speak. I mean, to think of all you've done in your career for women and all that is to come for you, it's really inspiring. So I, I, couldn't believe that you would top it, but you definitely just did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. You have given so much wisdom today and and I only have a few more questions, but I'd love to know what is perhaps one of the greatest lessons that you have learned? A loaded question. Oh no, this is a great question. So something that I have learned, and this is specifically as a woman in corporate America, is to have a sense of humor. And I, I think this is so important because I guarantee in the corporate world, you will be met with a moment or two or maybe even a hundred that could make you feel upset or potentially bitter. And being able to step back from those moments and say, okay, okay, all right, <laughs> that's funny. And we're just going to move on from the fact that you a man just asked me a female to get you coffee and we're peers. Mm. Um, you know, laugh at that moment and laugh yes. out loud and say, oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for asking. <laughs> I think a sense of humor has been my greatest secret strength through my journey. There, There's so much that we could unpack with that. But guys, pause and rewind 
listen to what Michelle just said, because for those of you who are thinking about going into corporate America, like she just said, there are going to be times that you could easily take offense. You could easily become bitter. I mean, just the shock of the example she just gave, like, are you kidding me? I'm going to go get you coffee where peers, but hold on because Michelle just truly unlocked what I believe is one of the greatest lessons we can learn, not just in in work, but in life. Become unoffendable. Laugh. Enjoy. Don't let people get under your skin. That's so awesome, Michelle. I love that so much. And yeah, to think of humor almost as your, yeah, like you said, your secret weapon. Laugh it off. Move on. Don't take offense. That's amazing. Awesome, awesome advice. Uh, Well, within that same vein, what are you learning now? Oh, well, now it has been just an interesting six months. So I'm learning learning how to run a bank during a pandemic. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Specifically, what I'm learning, um, can you imagine people coming into a bank with masks on? That was like a nightmare. Oh, my gosh. For us nine months ago. So, I mean, literally I'm learning how to um, shift our business model and adapt to a world that we can't control. And and yes, even that thought of a bank's worst nightmare is people coming in with masks. Little did we know, you guys, that's that's pretty hilarious. Oh my gosh. Well, well, you just touched on it a little bit. What's next for you? What's coming up uh, in the near future for you? Well, near future, I've got um, two kids at basketball practice tonight, one at soccer practice, Uh, and then dinner, and then bedtime and baths and all that fun stuff. Oh my (laughs) gosh, Michelle. Seriously, this has been, this is so fun. I love, love, love your life. And I love, gosh, the life you've built. This is, that is so awesome. Is there anything else we didn't cover that you'd like to, that you'd like my listeners to know? Oh, I just want to encourage your listeners to if, if corporate America is their dream, just go for it. Um, do yes. not let any of those stereotypes out there stop you for a second, because if they're there, somebody's got to break them. And I challenge it to be you. Oh, my gosh. So many times throughout this conversation, I just want to say, okay, pause, rewind. So listen to Michelle again, pause, rewind. <laughs> Absolutely, you guys. You can do it. Michelle has has started to pave a way for us. And gosh, follow in her footsteps. You guys can do it. Absolutely. Well, this has been so fun to connect with you. I'd love to know if you have anybody in your realm that you may suggest to come on and share their How'd She Do That story. I So I thought of one person for this, and I'm so embarrassed that she's not in the corporate world. I feel like I <laughs> really dug deep for my sisters <laughs> out there. But this is one of my dearest friends, and she is so unbelievably talented and an entrepreneur and just someone that I still, every time I'm with her, just can't get enough. Um, oh. I'm going to embarrass her by even saying her name, but her name is Dara Gooden. And okay. she is an artist. Um, I think her, her company's Tiny Fawn, but she does the most beautiful artwork ever. I have at least six pieces of hers in my home. And oh my gosh. You know, she's just one of those rare humans in life that you feel like everybody needs to know her. Oh, 
Well, that is the best kind of guest recommendation. So thank you, Michelle. You all will have to stay tuned and potentially tune in for that episode. Thank you so much. And I know you guys have been encouraged by this conversation and all of the wisdom that Michelle has shared. Michelle, where can listeners connect with you? Sure. Um, LinkedIn is a great place. Um, corporately, it's, it's such a great social media platform. And yes. <laughs> you can find me by my name, Michelle Hill there. Or if you're just interested in seeing crazy family um, stuff, I am on Instagram at Michelle Marie Hill. Awesome. And you guys, I have to give a little Instagram plug. Michelle is so fun and so darling on Instagram. So do check her out, Michelle Marie Hill. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. I cannot wait to re-listen to this episode and I am so eager to share. Thank you again for coming on. How'd she do that? Thank you, Emily. We'll talk soon. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week for a new episode. Talk to you soon.